We're talking about light. And that text is a, is, a, uh, is a focal point of what we're going to talk about this morning. We're talking about light. Everybody knows the difference between light and darkness. Now what these people were going to see, and what Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah chapter 9, they were going to see a great light. And you think, well, what were they going to see? They were sitting in darkness, it says. And they were going to see a great light. Were they going to see the sun come up? They've been seeing that all along, so that probably wasn't what Isaiah was talking about. Were they going to see an explosion? Maybe a meteor hitting the earth and showing a great light? What were these? Were they going to see a volcano erupt and light in that way? What were they going to see? When we think about what they were going to see, we have to think in terms of what the Bible had already talked about was around was already there. So that he, he was talking about, Isaiah was talking about something different than what they had become accustomed to. The people in Zebulun and Naphtali are going to see a great light. First of all, we think of light in terms of, well, maybe, maybe the light is at the end of a bad day. And the beginning of a new day. So the days pass. We've had a bad day. We've gone through the night and we're waiting anxiously for the sun to come up again. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 7 says, Truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold. It is in terms of when we've had a bad night, isn't it? Have you ever gone through a very, very bad night and you're very happy to see the light of day? Oh, I have. But Ecclesiastes had already talked about that. That probably was not the great light he was talking about. Maybe we're thinking about a city in a distance. Have you ever taken a trip and at nighttime you've been driving a long time, way up into the night, and you're looking for a city, and you see the lights kind of light up the horizon? Have you ever done that? Well, these travelers did that a lot. Sometimes the travelers was traveling in the, in the wastelands and in the desert, and they were looking for a city. And that would have been a, a, a light. But that's, Psalms chapter 43, verse 3 says, Send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to thy holy hill and to thy tabernacle. So they had already been aware of the fact that City lights, or lights of a community, were good, but that's not really a great light that he was talking about, I'm sure. Sometimes we think about a torch light. For instance, caravans went through the, through the desert, they went through the mountain passes and the dangerous areas at nighttime, and they had torch bearers carrying lights so that they would know where they were going. That's Probably not what he's talking about in a great light. Psalm 78, 14 says, In the daytime, he led them with a cloud. Talking about God at the time that he was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. And he said, At night with a light of fire. A great light during the nighttime, he led the children of Israel with that light. And so they could see. 
Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That sometimes refers to a lantern. You're carrying a lantern along and someone says, Watch your step. But we don't use lanterns anymore. We used to. But we don't use them anymore. We use flashlights. We're, we're making sure that our steps are secure and we're not going to step into something or over something or over a precipice. Is that the great light that he's talking? Well, I don't think so. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness. False teaching will lead us astray. Is he saying the great light you're going to see is something that will teach you the difference between good and evil? Basically, what I'm going to suggest to you, and, and I hope that it, it's right, I believe it's right in, from my studies of the Word, that these texts indicate that the great light in the Bible is used to illustrate Jesus Christ. He is the great light. Now try to conceptualize that. That's the, that's the problem, isn't it? Jesus is the great light. Now that's what the prophets in the Old Testament said. Isaiah chapter 60 at verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. He's actually, Isaiah is actually talking about Jesus. He's going to rise, and He is the light. That's kind of hard to conceptualize. Really, it is. In John chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, it says, There was a man, and this is what, what uh, we're going to key on, basically. There was a man sent from John, or sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. John was not that light. But he was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. So the great light, I want to suggest, is Jesus Christ. He is the great light. And I want to see if we can't get some concept of this. If I can make this thing turn. Jesus is the light of God. He is the light of God. Now, what I'm, what I'm saying is, that He is the one who shows you who God is. He is the light of God. So the great light that came, came in order to throw light upon God. To show you who He is. Now, if we read the Old Testament and we talk about God, we, we don't even have to read the Old Testament to get some concepts of God, do we? We think, well, God is, and sometimes I, I, some of my preacher friends back years ago, they were instructed me and they said, now, Bill, there's, God is three things. You have to remember three things about God. He's omnipotent, means He has all power. He's omniscient, means He knows everything. He's omnipresent, means He's everywhere. And you know, that really didn't turn any light on for me, did it? Would you? Well, no, he, they didn't throw any great light on God for telling me that. And as I read the Old Testament, I read a lot of things about God. I read a lot of things that describe God and, and His power and His might and so forth. 
The clouds are the dust of his feet. He's hung the lights in the heavens, and the stars in the heavens, the canopy. With his great might, he has laid the foundations of the earth. That the thunder replicates the sound of his voice. And the sun reflects his glory. So we get all this description of the character or the of the nature of God. But what do you know about him? If I were to say, well, I'm, I'm going to introduce myself to you. I'll tell you who I am. Well, I'll tell you how old I am first. <laughs> then I'll tell you where I came from. Most of you know anyway. Then I'll tell you what I've done for a living during the years that I've lived. Then I may even tell you where I live now and what I used to live and what, what kind of house I live in. But I'm not really telling you anything about myself, am I? So, we get a description of the abilities of God, but we know nothing about Him. We really know nothing about Him. Jesus came to put the light on His Father and say, here's what my Father looks like. And as a matter of fact, John 1 at verse 18 says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Jesus is the only one that can tell us something about God. So He is the great light, throwing the light upon God, upon the Father. And He did this two ways. The first way was, He just told us about Him. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In those texts, Jesus will tell you things about His Father and His character. God is love. And He'll tell you that God is merciful. And He'll tell you these things. And He'll tell you the things that the Holy Spirit has guided Him to tell you. In John 3.34 says, He whom God has sent, He's talking about Himself, speaks the words of God, for God gives not the Spirit by measure unto Him. That's the first way that He tells us about His Father and about His character. About who God really is. You'll never know who God really is unless you read the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll never know. Now there are a lot of people, a lot of atheists will tell you all about God and they'll tell you about it and so forth and they'll, they'll tell you what they think about God and what He can do and can't do and they'll, the three things, omniscience and omnipresence and so forth. And we talk about God, but until you know His character, you don't know God. And you don't know Him until Jesus tells you something about Him. He's the, he is the great light. The second way that Jesus threw the light upon God is by demonstrating in his own life the character of his father. His, his apostles finally got kind of fed up with things or kind of worried or kind of anxious and they said, why don't you tell us, show us the father. He'd been telling about them. And they said, show us the father. Just show us. And Jesus said, have you been so long time with me that you have not seen me? In John 14, verse 9, He that has seen me has seen the Father. When you see Jesus Christ, you see His Father. Okay. That's a great light, I think. That's the great, that light wasn't here before. That is the great light. Jesus is the great light. Think of the image of the Father. Colossians 1, verse 15 says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature. 
He is the express image of his person. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. The gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, shows us the Father. Now, the second point that we'll make is, and I'll get this thing to turn. Ah, there it is. Jesus is the great light because He's the light of man. Of you. Of me. That's how He's the great light. He is the, John chapter 1 and verse 9, He is the true light that lights every man that comes into the world. He lights us all. Two things. Now, Jesus wants in your life. Did you know that? He wants in your life. Revelation chapter 3 at verse 20 says, He stands at the door and knocks. He wants in. He wants in your life. Now, if in order for, us, for Him to get in our life, we have to open the door and let Him in. And you know what happens when Jesus comes into your life? Bam! I'm telling you, the light goes on. You light up. He lights your life up. That's what happens. Think of yourself as a house. Now that's what the Bible describes you as a house. A tabernacle. Sometimes called a tabernacle. So... Peter said, knowing this shortly, that knowing this, that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, as our Lord Jesus has showed me. He's talking about his body. I have to put this body off. And Paul said the same thing. He said, if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's talking about his body. Okay. Jesus wants in your body. And the only way he can get in your body is to get in your heart. And the only way to get in your heart is for you to open the door. Because he's standing there knocking and saying, let me in. And when you let him in, you, he turns the light on. We don't always want that light turned on, do we? We don't always want it turned on. I've... Over the years, I've preached and preached years and years and years. And Bonnie and I have visited a lot of, in a lot of homes. And a lot of people will tell us before we come see them, call before you come. Make an appointment. And the first time they did this when I was younger, in my 20s or so, I thought, what, they don't want us in their house. Then I realized what they were doing. They were tidying up. Before I came, they're putting their Bibles out. So <laughs> I figured what was going on. They were getting things cleaned up because the preacher and his wife were coming by. A lot of people, a lot of people still that way, but that doesn't make any difference. I don't mind that. The thing is that when Jesus comes into our house, He shows us what we have to tidy up, what we have to clean up. He, so he, he lights up every corner. 
You open the closet door and the light's on in there. You go in the bathroom, the light's on in there. You go to the bedroom, the light's on in there. You go to the den, the light, the light is everywhere in your heart because Jesus is the light. You are not the light. I'm going to make that point in just a minute. You are not the light. You are the, you are the lamp stand. You're the light holder. So sometimes the light holder gets kind of smoky and dusty and you can't get much light to it. But the idea is that he's in your house. He's in your heart. He's in your life. And he's showing everything. So you can see everything. We are not the light. We are sometimes a reflector, a light reflector. And sometimes when the Bible talks about us being children of light or the light of the world, it's actually talking about the fact that we're reflecting the light of Jesus. We're not the light source. We may be a candlestick. And that's what Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is talking about. The seven churches of Asia. He walks among the seven golden candlesticks. And those candlesticks are simply holding up the light. They are not the light. Jesus is the light. Okay. So we have then Jesus in our lives. And He is cleaning out the debris. He's making sure that everything is is nice and tidy for us so He can live with us. He doesn't want to live in a messy house. He doesn't want to live in a soiled house. He doesn't want to sleep on dirty sheets. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to have all this filth and mess in our lives that we've had before we open the door and let Him come in. You remember there's, there's a fellow in Acts chapter 8. It, I keep going back to this guy because he's something else. He was, he was a, a eunuch he took care of the of the female attendants of the queen of of Ethiopia, and so he had he had come he had come to Jerusalem because he knew they were reading the Bible, studying the Bible in the city of Jerusalem. And he was in his chariot, and he brought along something to read, which you do sometimes when you take a trip. You take something to read. I hope you take your Bible. He took his Bible to read. So he was, he had stopped and he was reading his Bible. It wasn't as convenient as ours. He had to unroll his and read it. He was reading from Isaiah 53. He was reading his Bible. And Philip was told by the Holy Spirit, go, go talk to this guy. He's reading the Bible. <laughs> when you see somebody reading the Bible, go talk to him. This guy was. And so Philip jumped up there and he, he said, to him, what are you reading? And the eunuch said, hey, I don't know. He said, is, it, is he talking about himself or somebody else? And you know what Philip did? He turned the light on. He preached unto him Jesus. And they, the funny thing to me about it is, they decided they'd go ahead and make a little time while they were reading and studying and talking. They were driving along. So they started scooting along. And pretty soon the eunuch, hearing about Jesus, he stopped and he said, Whoa, wait a minute. Here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If you believe, you may. You know what was happening? Wow, the doors were opened. They stopped that chariot. They went down together into the water. The, the eunuch was baptized. And you know what happened? When they came up out of the water, the eunuch took off in his chariot and it says he went with joy. This guy was full of the light. And he was happy. And he was excited. And he was on his way. Because the light was in his life. Jesus Christ. 
we're able to see in the dark corners of our house too because he's inside. Now, Jesus is not a porch light. He's not a yard light. He's not a street light. He's not a signal light. He's a house light. That's where he is. He's in the house. He's in your house. We then, ourselves, and I'm going to read a text in Luke chapter 8, verse 16, and you may think of a little ditty, a little tune. Some of the kiddos here can remember that. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> That's right, everywhere I go. I'm not going to let the devil blow it out and so forth. That's right. I think Carl could sing that for us. That's good. He probably could. Well, here in, here in Luke chapter 8, verse 16, Jesus, Jesus said, No man, when he has lighted a candle, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed. So if you've got Jesus in your house, what do you do? The light's on in your house, in your body, in your heart. So what do you do? Pull all the shades down and say, Don't want anybody to know he's here. Do you stick him under the bed? Got company? I'll shove him under the bed so nobody will know it, so it's glowing down there. But there's no light in the house. So he's saying, if you, light a, if you light a lamp, you don't put it under the bed. You don't cover it up. You let that light shine. You let it shine. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says, you're the light of the world. This is the second point. The first point is, when people see Jesus in your life, they're not seeing you. They're seeing Jesus in your life. And they're seeing what He's doing for you. So you're reflecting some of that light because you're, you're a reflector. Drive down the road now when they're having construction with your lights on at night, and you'll see some workmen out and they'll have these strips around them that show up, they reflect, so we'll know they're there. They're reflectors. And you'll see some signs that reflect. They are not a light, they're a reflection of light. So when we talk about the church of the Lord, we're not talking about the light of the Lord, we're talking about the reflection of the light of the Lord. So if my body is a tabernacle of God and light is on in me, and your body is a tabernacle of the Lord and light is on in you, and we're all together, we become a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Okay, why? Because the Lord is lighting up each of our little tabernacles, and the people can see, not that we're such good people, they can see... Jesus. That's what we should be doing. Holding Him up and saying, well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you all about us as a church. I'm going to tell you about the one who loves me and saves me. People can pick at the church. People can pick me apart. But they don't pick Jesus apart. Isn't that something? He's the one. He's the light, not me. If they were, if they were going to put out my light, they could probably do it pretty quick. You cannot put out the light of Jesus of Nazareth. Can't be put out. He is the light. He is the great light. Sometimes, when we get over in the Book of Revelation, we begin to think end of the world. 
But the book of Revelation probably is not talking about the end of the world. It's talking about the great struggle and battle that was going on to secure your salvation, my salvation, and to make sure that everything went the way God wanted it to go. And eventually it talks about, in the book of Revelation chapter 21, it talks about the new Jerusalem, the city of God. And it says that new Jerusalem is the bride of Christ. Now the bride of Christ is the church. And he says, in that new Jerusalem, there is no need for a light. Why? Because Jesus is there. He's lighting it. What happens then is when we all, with Jesus in our lives, and we're holding him up, and we've got all of our windows open, and our doors open, and he's shining, and we're preaching the word, we're teaching the word, like Philip did. Philip went out there with the light, and he said, here's the light, and the eunuch threw his heart open, and Jesus stepped in, and the light went on, and off eunuch went. That's what we are supposed to be doing, should be doing. Holding up Jesus as the Son of God. Holding up Him as the great light and letting the people see. Letting the folks see Jesus. Someone says, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? What do you say? (laughs) Amen. He is the Son of God. He is the light. And so we guide them to that. If you read your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, something's going to happen to you. The Bible says that Jesus said, I come as a thief in the night. Oh, oh. you know what that means? I'm sitting at my computer and I'm going along and, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a Christian now. I'm just at, I'm, I'm at my computer and I'm thinking, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, uh, Something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. And I hear this knock on the door. Guess who? Jesus. And so I say, you know, Lord, I'm going to open the door. I'm going to let you in. And it can happen just like that. You can be out working somewhere. You can be driving a truck driving down the road and you're thinking about many things. You're a long hauler. You're thinking about doing your job. And you hear this little knock on your door because you're thinking about something you read in the book of John and you're hearing the knock on your door. Here he is. He's saying, hey, open that door and I'll come in and I will sup with you and I'll light your life up. I'll light you up. It can happen. And it will happen. God help it happen to you soon. Let's stand together and sing the song of invitation.